Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine. Pimelo Mutine on SAFM. On SAFM. Seven minutes after one. Good afternoon to you. My name is Pimelo Mutine. On Life Happens on SAFM. And today is the 11th of July. Why does that matter? Because it was on this day, 56 years ago, that there was a raid on Lilithsley Farm. That was obviously the place where we all know by now is where some of the Ravonia trialists were arrested. And to unpack it all, I think it's going to be a glorious conversation, is the CEO of Lily's Leaf Trust. And uh, Lily's Leaf, for many of you who don't know, is a farm literally in Ravonia. Um, the Ravonia that you know in Santon in Gauteng, yes, that Ravonia. You may not have gone there, but yes, it remains a farm and it is a museum now. And it houses the most spectacular exhibitions, really, uh, of that time. And yes, as I said, I'm joined by Nicholas Wolpe, founder and the CEO of Lila's Lease Trust, to just look back on this glorious day. Hello, Nicholas. It sounds like it's glorious as I'm saying it now, but it wasn't then, right? Hi, Pamela. No, it certainly wasn't glorious. Do we know what time the raid happened? Well, it's actually a very interesting story. Um, The raid was supposed to actually take place at half past one on Thursday afternoon. Thursday being what date? The 11th of July, 1963. Ah, Being and exactly on a Thursday today. Exactly. 56 years ago, exactly today. It was going to be what time? You said one. At one thirty. So, in fact, in 22 minutes, it it will be 56 years ago on the dot when the raid should have taken place. Would you have ever? But, Nicholas, Mm. you say that and I'm now about to hesitate because was the raid actually supposed to happen or was it a fluke of a raid? And in other words, they kind of stumbled on the raid. Well, there are a array of stories about how supposedly Lily's Leaf was exposed. The story that we believe is the most authentic and the most credible is that Walter Susulu had gone underground and he had become the most wanted man in South Africa. And at one point, the authorities thought that he had skipped the country. But when he gave the first broadcast of Radio Freedom, of course, it alerted them that he was still in South Africa. And of course, the biggest hunt was launched for his recapture. Mm-hmm. Now, what we believe happened was that a foreign intelligence agency gave up the location where Walter was staying. And the raid was merely to arrest Walter. They had no idea that there were other, there was a big thing happening at Lily's Leaf. They had no idea. No, they stumbled across it. And it's because they stumbled across it, we believe that that story that has developed around Walter and the tip-off from a foreign intelligence agency is the most credible because some have used... Um, the th- there's one theory that Bruno Mtolo, Mr. X, yes, Mr. X yes. at the Ravonia trial, was the... Um, who was the informer. The informer. Right? Yeah. But we interviewed Henny Patu, who was the last surviving police officer. And he tells how who they... Was, who was on this mission. Uh, right? He was also... Who was the guy who actually arrested uh, Mr. Mandela. He was also part of the team that arrested Mandela. Mm-hmm. And he was also part of the team that raided Lilysleaf. Let's just, while we're there, yeah. pause and actually clarify for many people, Mandela was not arrested at Lilysleaf. He, he was arrested at Harwick. Correct. He was okay. arrested um, in August of 62 on his way back from briefing Chief Albert Latuli on his African mission to 
garnish support for the newly formed military wing on Kuntua Seasway. And the connection between him and the Ravonia trialists is that there was stuff that was documentation that he had left at Lily's Leap that connected him to the trialists. Correct. In fact, um, while he was in prison, he instructed his lawyers, Joe Slovo and Bob Heppel, to destroy his papers at Lily's Leap. And a committee decided that they couldn't destroy the papers. They were too invaluable. So ultimately, it was left to Arthur Goldreich to deal with the papers. And there's a lovely story on Nelson's last visit to Lily's Leaf in July 2005. Arthur Goldreich is waiting for him. Nelson gets out of the car and in his usual polite safe, he says, oh, it's lovely to see you, wonderful to see you, Arthur, and then goes on to say, and thanks to you, I spent 27 (laughs) years in prison. (laughs) So Arthur has this beaming smile and suddenly goes ash white. (laughs) Now... Your father was part of all of this. Correct. So, in fact, uh, there's another, you know... As we're speaking about documentation, he was part of this documentation story. Yeah. I mean, there's an anecdotal story. So when I was putting on the Ravonia reunion in 2001, actually someone came up to me during the reunion and said, are you aware of something? And after about 15 seconds, I said, please put me out of my misery. What am I supposed to be aware of? But but, but at the same time, were you not busy trying to purchase yes. the farm itself? As I, in that, you, Nicholas Wolpe, no, sitting no. right here in front of me. No, I was purchasing it for the Lily's Leaf Correct, trust. but you were part of that, yes. correct? So he then said, do you realize that 40 years ago, your father did the legal purchase for Lily's Leaf, and 40 years on, you are now beginning to buy it back and it's come full circle. So now, was he was he acting as a conveyance at the time? He was a lawyer. So in fact, the, my uncle's law firm, which my father was a part of, and Joel Joffe, was the law firm that did the legal an- transaction. So the evidence that was presented at the Ravonia trial came from two sources, came from Lilliesleaf and from my uncle's law firm. And again, I I would like to tell a very funny anecdotal story about that. So when my uncle was arrested and charged with sabotage, they raided the law firm. They went into his office um, and there were a stack of blue files written A and C. And of course the police got extremely excited. They started, Joel Joffe describes how they were frothing at the mouth (laughs) and how they were jumping for joy. And when they opened them up, they got even more excited because it revealed that obviously there was secret documentation Mm. that had been in these files which said A and C. Mm. And of course they carted away the files and Joel Joffe is saying he wants to burst out laughing, but he has to remain <laughs> very calm and stoic. Contract. It's still <laughs> an anti-national contract, not African National Congress. That so, is funny. That's so they so they took away these files, empty files, convinced that they stood for the African National Congress. <laughs> that is hilarious. So, I mean, how old were you? Eleven? Eleven months? No, at the time. Ten I, months? No, I was months? four months old. Four months old. Oh, yeah. Four months old. So you meet a man who says to you, you know what, a couple of years ago, while you are trying to buy this farm for Lily's Leaf Trust, your father was actually responsible for this transaction. But there's a bigger connection to, to your father in the story because your father was actually... Head of military intelligence at Lily's Leaf. So and he writ- headed up... And written the code of conduct correct. for... So the code of, he wrote the code of conduct. So on the day of the raid, Molly Fisher went to their house my parents house and said to my father woke him up and said you better leave it's only going to be a matter of time before the police will be able to connect you to Lily Leaf and of course they did because they uncovered his document and what's interesting 
is about the story is that my father as a lawyer was the first lawyer to use handwriting techniques to determine the innocence of an individual. The police then used that very technique oh, against him word. to be able to highlight that this document was in his handwriting. More of the story and I'd love to take your calls and SMSs and WhatsApp uh, for your contribution. We celebrate 56 years. I don't know if we're celebrating, but we're commemorating it. When the raid happened on Lily's Leaf Farm and I'm with Nicholas Wolpe, who is the founder and CEO of Lily's, Lily's Leaf Trust. And uh, 56 years ago, yes, some of the Ravonia, uh, Ravonia trialists were arrested at, he said, 15, no, about 30 minutes after no, one. No. Originally, the raid was supposed to happen at 1.30, but was delayed because Van Veek decided at the last minute that he wanted a search warrant. So it, it was delayed till <laughs> just after three o'clock. As more the story unfolds, oh eight nine one one zero four two zero seven. We'll take your calls and your comments on this fascinating, fascinating account of how the raid happened on Lily's Leaves Farm. Life, life happens with Pimelo Motine. 17 minutes after one. Thank you very much for staying with us. My name is Pimelo Motine. And uh, yeah, we're leading this conversation with a commemoration of uh, 56 years since the raid on Lily's Leaf Farm. And I'm joined by Nicholas Wolpe, who is a founder of Lily's Leaf Farm Trust. And Nicholas, so they arrive at the gate. The, the police arrive at the gate. They ask the guard. Hello, who's home? He says no one's home. They look and decide, okay, well, let's leave. They turn back the car and they call the police station or whoever their commanders are and they say, Ach, no one's here, we're leaving. And then the one of them says, no, well, since we're here, we may as well. What time do you think that was? Well, as I said, the raid was supposed to take place at originally half past one. Now, what is it? interesting and very significant about that had they raided at that moment mm -hmm. the only person they would have found on the farm was Ahmed Kathadra who had spent the night there so they would have only arrested one individual and could you just imagine how things may have transpired what could have unfolded I'm always reminded of that movie Sliding Doors where Gwyneth Paltrow kind of two parallel lives follow her, one where she gets on the train and one where she misses the train. So just imagine that we have two parallel worlds going, one where they raided at half past one as they originally intended to two, and the other where they raided just after quarter past three, because the meeting in the thatch cottage had just begun. It had been going for about 15 minutes. In fact, Dennis Goldberg in his combi drove past the waiting police. And what is also very interesting, and this is another kind of bizarre twist, which I still cannot figure out why. Rusty Bernstein, mm -hmm. on driving to Lily's Thief, mm -hmm. goes down Homestead. Mm -hmm. What is significant about that? He drives past the police station. And as he looks out the window and he sees the dry cleaning van drive up, he says to the others, oh my God, I saw that van parked outside <gasps> the police station a moment ago. Because he had just arrived at about just before the meeting was about to begin. Mm -hmm. So he had been there 
very for a very short period of time now you talk about how the police drive up to the entrance mm -hmm. and say and they say is anyone there and the guy at the gate says no, no I mean just imagine a Hollywood movie where you have an informer <laughs> and the informer says to the police there are drugs in that house the police go up knock on the door and the door is opened by a drug dealer and they say by any by any chance do you have any drugs here and the guy says no, no. And they say bye-bye so the fact of the matter is there was no informer so let's let's unpack that before we go into the house okay so the stories around the cia correct the stories around the poll there was a poll at liz leaf and that telephone poll must have been bugged by these americans the stories around the child that came to visit and kind of saw a black man sitting in the lounge all of those stories those were not people who told on Lily's Leaf? No. In no. fact, look, the story of the, what they refer to as the 10-year-old snitch, yes. who was George Mellis, yes. who used to play with the Goldreich children and witnessed what he described to his parents as very unusual behavior, which was <laughs> white men and black men shaking hands. I mean, so you can just imagine South Africa 1963, Goodness. that shaking hands of you know black men and white men coming together and shaking hands is seen as unusual i suppose i always quirp and say could you imagine if an alien fell from the sky he would think it's completely normal and not bat an eyelid but seeing white men and black men shaking hands of course that was something that was unfathomable something that they could not comprehend and, I, and somebody I, said that they they'd seen a black man reading newspaper and drinking tea that's Nelson that, Mandela right no so that's the farm laborers so they used to refer to Nelson Walter Govan and the others as men with newspapers something yes. that they were not familiar with they could not fathom this idea of seeing these black gentlemen reading newspapers so the incident you're referring to was a gentleman had come from one of the adjoining farms because uh -huh. he was having a dispute mm -hmm. with Arthur Goldright over the irrigation. Yes. And he just stormed into the house, went into the lounge <laughs> and saw Nelson sitting on the couch <laughs> with his feet up on the coffee table reading the newspaper. Unheard of at the and time. He, and he was apparently a bit taken aback, but we don't think he did anything. I think he was just completely shocked and surprised. I mean, there are... So, men so all these stories of all these people, I mean, when you listen to your archive material at the museum now, you have everyone with a story to tell. I mean, on that street alone, there was a neighbor who says, yes, it was odd. It was odd that there were these black people doing interesting things. And somebody said, no, there was a man who was always at the pole. What was about the man at the pole? It was obviously a connection. There was an assumption that there was a connection to the American intelligence. Well, I mean, that connection only came afterwards. I mean, the story about the two people up the telephone pole was told by... Um, Mary Russell, who lived in the caravan park. But what's also interesting, both Dennis and um, Ahmed Kathadra make reference to a caravan, this lone caravan parked in the caravan park during the winter. They thought it was very suspicious. They were under the impression that that was the South African police monitoring Lily Sleeve. We don't believe that was the South African police because of all of the stories that we have uncovered, the fact that they arrived, the fact that Gerald Ludi, who um, was had part of what was referred to as RID, the Republican Intelligence Department, who had infiltrated Bram Fischer's cell, tells the story about um, Colonel Fundenberg. Mm. 
um, and how if they really knew what was going on, Colonel Fundenberg would have led the raid. They wouldn't have come with 16 policemen and a dog named Cheetah. He said he would have come with the entire police force. The entire area would have been shut down and there would be an entourage of media people. Because the truth is, when they did stumble upon them, they said, this is a jackpot, meaning they had no idea Correct. what they were about to uncover. Now, what people also don't know is that Lily's Leaf was acquired, not for the ANC, but for who? It was purchased for the Communist Party. Now, the truth is, tonight you celebrate that. Yes. What's happening tonight, quickly for me? Well, tonight is a gala dinner to um, commemorate Firstly, the fact that this is the 56th anniversary, mm -hmm. but also to acknowledge and pay homage and tribute to the two surviving Ravonia trialists, mm -hmm. Andrew Malangeni mm -hmm. and Dennis Goldberg. And Dennis Goldberg is the only surviving trialist who was arrested at Lily's Leaf. Mm -hmm. So tonight is about... It is about celebrating, mm -hmm. because even though the raid itself had a detrimental, devastating hammer blow impact on the liberation struggle. There is an element of celebration in mm. so far as what came out of it and what led from that raid mm. brought us to the point of 1990 and 1994. Mm. So out of the doom of the raid, mm. there is also brightness and a sense of euphoria because mm. of what transpired. Nicholas Wolpe, always a pleasure. Thank you very much, who is the CEO of Lily's Leaf Trust. And uh, as we commemorate 56 years since, he says, almost to the minute, not quite, uh, when the raid happened on uh, Ravonia and uh, at Lily's Leaf Farm.